This is the Software and Technology Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you information, education, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. The more diversity of thought of the people working at tech companies, the better. The blockchain idea was around 91, the same idea of in the digital world, we need verifiable documents. Welcome to the Software and Electronics Podcast. I'm your host, Shelby Skirhawk. Today, we're talking about making cybersecurity solution decisions with my guest, Dominique Singer, Vice President of Business Development for Cybersecurity Tolaris. He has 25 years of IT and security experience in cybersecurity with stints at CenturyLink, Terramark, Verizon, and Walt Disney. Dominique, welcome. Hey, good morning. Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you. So to kick things off, uh, let's talk a little bit about you. Uh, Tell me just how you first got into cybersecurity. Well, I mean, I could date myself here. We can go all the way back to the 80s when I started playing with apples and I learned how to program Pascal. I thought that yeah. was pretty interesting. <laughs> and, and then I fast forward to the 90s. I joined the military and I, I ran battlefield communication systems and I, uh, I kept those uh, secure. I did a mission for NATO in Bosnia. I got out and I did some Y2K consulting. And uh, then I focused, uh, I was with Disney in the operations center for about five years and did a lot of different activities supporting all of their online properties, booking engines, cruise lines, all those kind of things. And then about three years at a bank, and then uh, several years at a couple different telcos, as well as a spinoff of an organization that provided services to the intelligence community. So have pretty much been entrenched either, uh, either as a customer or as a seller of security solutions. So Y2K compliance. I remember the uh, the issues that we faced that we thought the really the, the world was going to drop off the world the map. was going to end. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Good thing those were uh, those fears were overstated. It's fair to say. And, you know, we could even draw an analogy to today. And that's really what I'm I'm excited to talk talk about today is that, you know, we need to take a practical mindset when we look at security and Y2K consulting. I mean, it was lucrative, you know, and it was it was worthwhile and it it was a reasonable concern. Uh, There was, you know, reason to have concern. But nonetheless, it's, you know, when we think about today, it's about let's be more informed, right? What's the real data that's out there? Where do we really need to spend our time and our, our efforts? And that that's what I love helping customers think about. Well, uh, you do work with a lot of large companies, uh, you know, to kind of help steer their cybersecurity decisions, especially you work with a lot of sales partners that, uh, you know, you come in and you can design and present and, and close some of these very complex security um, issues but you also help a lot of customers with limited budgets uh, that are looking to navis- navigate this very complex landscape. So in your experience, when you're comparing uh, making cybersecurity decisions for a large company versus a small company, how do those decisions vary? I mean, basically, the difference has to be beyond, well, I can afford this much versus I can afford that much in cybersecurity. What is the difference in the decision-making process for a company with a large budget versus a small budget? Oh, well, it's a really great question. And actually, uh, I would probably be a little, um, what, what, what should I say? Maybe inflammatory with my comments. And I would <laughs> say the decision-making process is not very different. Now, the budgets certainly are different. But the whether it's a large, 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 extremely large organization with you know very big security staff, or you know a small medium business enterprise, they still have the same challenges, and that is that the cyber threats are real, they are targeted, and they all have limited budgets, even the very large organizations. And so, when we are working with our customers, regardless of the size, regardless of the sector that they operate in, 
we're always trying to take a risk perspective. And fundamentally, when making decisions about cybersecurity solutions, it all comes down to risk. So when we're working with smaller organizations, the challenge that they have is typically they have people wearing many hats. So very commonly we see the IT professional is, is part-time as the security professional. So they don't have a lot of skill sets in that area. And it's difficult for them to make decisions around purchasing the right security solutions. And what we try to coach them on is taking a step back, really understanding the critical assets, understanding the exposure of those critical assets to real threats, and then building a solution that makes sense. And what I mean by making sense is, you know, at the end of the day, information technology is really designed to achieve business outcomes, whatever those business outcomes are, you know, whether it's e-commerce, whether it is doing, you know, business to business um, communications, or whether it is business to business selling, whatever the story is, IT is supporting those business outcomes. And in my mind, security is just a subset. So when we're coaching our customers, again, small, medium, large, doesn't really matter. We're helping them take a step back asking them about the risk management program, which entails understanding those critical assets, assigning a value to those critical assets, and then building a solution that makes sense down to the risk appetite for that organization. So fundamentally, it's the same, regardless of what size the organization is, just the budgets are different. But so focusing on business outcomes, uh, that is maybe a contrast to maybe the approach that some people might take is uh, focusing on specific solutions, maybe looking into the, the solutions that are out there and reverse engineering what they need. But you're saying that it should, it should start with your business, your business's needs, right? Shelby, you've hit a sweet spot for me because this is a, I get on a high horse at times and this is one I, I get really passionate about because I, you know, I've got a lot of friends that are security um, professionals and I affectionately call them, and I know this will be recorded for posterity, I affectionately <laughs> call them uh, propeller heads and I love what they do and I've got great, great respect for what they do, no question about it. But to your point, uh, oftentimes, and whether or not it's the security professional, it could also be the business leader uh, listening to the security professional. Oftentimes, they get enamored with a solution or a well-marketed product as potentially solving a problem that they think that they have because it's been marketed very well. But to your point and to what I'm really passionate about, I love to flip the game and I love to say instead of thinking about a solution and, and in there you get to think about, well, a specific vendor can solve a specific problem, we need to think more holistically. And back to your point about the business, how, you know, do we really understand where our critical assets are? Who can access those? How controlled they are? Are they in the cloud? Are they on-prem? You know, does marketing have a slice of the data and they're doing stuff we don't know with it? The whole point is really taking a step back and understanding how do we, as an organization, know what our critical assets are? And I'm hammering this point on very intentionally, right? Because it's the most fundamental thing and it's, it's frankly the biggest challenge organizations have is understanding the critical assets, especially as they move into the cloud. So taking a step away from looking out at the marketplace of all the 3,000 plus different security vendors that have very niche solutions and potentially really great marketing engines and, and maybe products that don't meet the marketing hype. <laughs> and instead thinking, you know, how do we really solve the business problem that we have? And that is where our critical assets are, what are the right protective measures, what are the right detective measures, and what are the right responsive measures that we need to put in place in order to effectively respond to the adapting uh, threat landscape. How, let's put our, ourselves in, in the shoes of uh, maybe a, a IT professional, like you said, who is treating security as a little bit of a part-time. I mean, they have very many hats to wear. So how, 
intimidating could that process be in thinking, gosh, I'm doing what I can just to hold on? How am I to effectively assess my business outcomes? Ah, okay. So thanks, Shelby. So here at Tolaris, we are uh, very fortunate in that we are neutral and we have a full suite of suppliers that we can bring to the table. Uh, in the, just in this, we have over 200 suppliers uh, that provide services to all of the IT community. In my area, cybersecurity, we have over 30 different suppliers. And so what that provides is our partners the ability to come in very neutral. And again, to your point earlier, stepping in the shoes of the customer, thinking more about the business challenges in their environments and then coming with the right solution. So to your point about, you know, the IT professional that is very limited, is is lean uh, on many different hats that they have to wear. You know, there's a few different approaches we take. I, I always harp on this idea of a risk assessment and building a risk framework and using some sort of framework. And it doesn't mean that they need to spend, you know, hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands of dollars putting in a big framework. It just means they need to understand that, you know, the 21st century cyber threat is real. It's adaptive. The defenders definitely do not have the upper hand. The attackers share intelligence better than we do. And so the way a small to medium business organization can deal with security is they need to accept the reality that they're going to be compromised. And so they need to understand that, you know, by wearing that one hat, it's okay to lean on service providers to help them with the heavy lifting of infrastructure management, for example. So instead of them managing their own security technology, they should instead lean on service providers that have very mature people, processes, and technology capabilities that can provide them a service like firewall management or intrusion detection management or security architecture management across the board. And then that limited staff can then consume the information from those platforms and make decisions and, and use their time more effectively because instead of managing the IT or pardon me, managing the security infrastructure with limited expertise and limited time, that which is only going to leave them more exposed to real threats, they can instead now rely on a partner who has deep expertise, understands the technology, has the right processes in place, has the maturity to give them basically scale to understand and adapt to the real world threats and to give them a leg up on dealing with the cybersecurity problem. Well, speaking of real world threats, uh, something that I, I came across in my pre-interview notes here, uh, you, you talked about um, the the two large breaches, Equifax and Capital One, and you say that they weren't a failure in technology or, or purchase decisions for cybersecurity solutions, but instead they were really a failure in understanding what? Well, that's a, uh, so this, in, there's a Senate report that's out there that anybody can read about the Equifax breach. It's really actually a fascinating read for anybody that likes to understand you know, how these real breaches type, uh, happen. So as anybody can imagine, we'll use Equifax as the best example. Very large budget, right? Large organization, very mature people, uh, very mature processes, and very mature technology. Um, but the idea of cybersecurity means it's not a set and forget uh, solution. You must constantly have a continuous improvement mindset. You must put a program in place where when there is a point in failure, that is a feedback loop into another area that can improve the overall security posture. And it avoids this idea of complacency. And so with great respect to all the folks at Equifax, because you know it's not an easy challenge uh, trying to deal with cybersecurity threats. But what the challenge is, 
is to not get complacent. And what I mean by that is that there are things in cybersecurity that can become very routine and can be considered, you know, more mundane tasks, and then they kind of lose the eye on the ball. And so what happened in, in Equifax, as an example, is they had all the right technology, they had the right threat intelligence telling them that they had to patch, you know, a certain system or a certain vulnerability, but the owner of that system, meaning a process, they, they did not, uh, they were not in those conversations about that particular vulnerability. And more importantly, senior leadership oftentimes was not part of those quarterly reviews. And so essentially what happened is it was a process failure. And rounding it all together, the whole point that I'm bringing up is that any organization, regardless of size, must use you know a continuous improvement mindset. And it means not focusing just on technology. You know, as we talked about earlier, we're you know focusing on solutions. Technology is just one cornerstone of solving the cybersecurity problem. You must constantly look at your right at the people. Do you have the right people? Do they understand how to manage the technology? If not, let's leverage some service providers to give us that capability. And then do you have the right processes in place? And to continuously evaluate that and to across the organization make sure that you have all the right people involved, the business owners, the IT owners, as well as the practitioners. And in there, you have an effective cybersecurity posture. And to round it out even further, there is no silver bullet. There is no such thing as perfect security. Equifax is a great example. And the learning lesson that we can take from that is that the attackers are persistent and oftentimes it's the easy path that they use to get into organizations and the easy path happens because of complacency and so our 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 goal for organizations is to really help them understand you know stay focused don't lose sight of the importance of a continuous improvement mindset and continually looking for ways to improve your security posture and to adapt to those real threats that are coming in. Well, honing even more on those lessons, something you mentioned earlier uh, is, you know, evaluating all of the the different points of, of data and how those are being used and where they're being used and accessed. Uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, having a full knowledge, for example, marketing. Uh, you said, you know, maybe there's, there's instances where there's data being used uh, that the IT team or the uh, C-suite is not fully aware of how that information is being used or exposed. I guess explain that a little bit more as far as uh, when you're creating this business assessment of what your business outcomes are and the needs that your company has, how important is it that you use diligence and, like you said, this mindset of continuous improvement to create a cyber solution, uh, I guess, roadmap for your company? It, it's fundamental. It, it truly is fundamental. And we can we can narrow it all the way down to data protection, as an example. So there are many regulations that are continuing to come out, and we can look at the most recent one from California, the California Consumer Privacy Act, CCPA. And what that really means is whatever business, it doesn't matter if the business is operating in California. What it means is that the power is now in the hand of the hands of the consumer to be able to understand how their data is being used by any given company. And so what that implies for companies is that they need to really understand, you know, are they doing business with, uh, do they have any customers that are in California? And this is sort of a microcosmic example of how they should be looking at data protection uh, in general. But they should understand, you know, do we, do we even know where our data lives, for example? Do we even know what the makeup of that data is? What I mean by that is, do we know our customer base? 
because in there, we now need to apply different protective measures. We can look at Europe. We can talk about GLOBA, uh, you know, GDPR, right, is, is a huge, big, another acronym, another example of what it means to do data protection. And these are not easy problems to solve for. And this is just one area that implies a whole bunch of other things around cybersecurity, like good identity management, good access controls, good encryption, good monitoring, good detective capabilities when that data gets accessed or moved. And so all of that implies good people, good processes, and good technology. And there again is where any organization, small, medium, or large, should you know, not have so much pride that they believe they can do everything internally, and they should not look at it as a threat to leverage a service provider, but they should really look at a third party as whatever it is, whether it's to come in and perform the assessment, something may be very specific about data discovery, data classification, data protection, and defining that strategy, or something broader, like an overall risk strategy, which then would def define and drive the cybersecurity strategy, they should look to the service providers and third parties as experts that have skills and experience that their internal people don't have, but can leverage to help enhance their security posture. So my whole point is that in order to really get smarter about security, um, we all need to work together better. And that means not looking at vendors as, you know, and that's that's what's great about being at Tolaris is that we really take a step back from trying to sell a hammer when a customer needs a screwdriver, right? We're all about what are the customer's needs. And that's the way cybersecurity should be looked at, and especially if I am a customer and I'm out buying today, you know, I would love to be able to have an independent third party that can help me understand the noisy landscape of all these vendors telling me that they can solve my problems when I may not even have that problem. So my whole point to bring all that home is, you know, really looking at third parties as, you know, potential trusted allies that can help you understand from a unique perspective that your teams don't have how to better strengthen your posture and how to be more effective in dealing with the, the real world cyber threats. And one of those threats, by the way, is compliance. It is regulatory requirements. New states may come out with new requirements. New countries may come out with new requirements. And in order to be nimble and not have to be you know, phenomenally reactive, you got to start with a program. And that program usually should rest on a good risk, uh, risk management methodology. So the message is clear. I mean, the, the threat of cybersecurity is real. There is an absolute need, a business case for knowing what your business's needs are and understanding that and roadmapping that. But uh, what uh, what you're saying is that you don't have to do that alone, that there's third-party uh, vendors that are basically neutral advocates that can look at your particular situation, craft a appropriate outcome for what your business needs, and then create and design and suggest the correct solution, right? Absolutely. And I'm going to take a slight segue from where you're coming from because there is another thing I'm really passionate about. And it's this idea of penetration tests or security assessments or risk assessments. One of the things I would coach uh, and advise all of our customers to, to do, and we help them with this, but you know, is to really scrutinize that supplier. You know, If you're going to buy a security assessment or if you're going to buy services from a third party, uh, and I'll stick on security assessments right now and penetration testing specifically, you know, if you're looking to buy cheap, you're really very respectfully buying a false sense of security. This is the one point in time, and let's talk about penetration testing. It's the one point in time where you're going to pay money to have, you know, somebody act like a real-world hacker and to try and break into your enterprise. There are many different ways we can talk about that, but that's fundamentally what it is. 
And so by looking for a cheap provider, you and, and we've seen this across the board, and I used to see this when I was a buyer. You are you by looking for cheap, you are going to be buying what is known as a vulnerability assessment, which just basically means people are using automated tools, using canned reports, and then providing that to the customer and but giving them a false sense of security. Whereas when you pay for a real penetration test, the reason it comes for a premium cost is because you're paying for the expertise of the people performing those tests. And so my whole point there is that when you're leveraging these third parties, when you're buying services, even if it's from a managed security services provider, you really want to lift up the hood. You really want to scrutinize what they offer, how they offer, what the depth of staff is that they have, how they staff, the tools that they use, and their improvement methodology themselves. Because again, like we talked earlier, if as a customer you are trying to build a security program that's built on this continuous improvement mindset, well, you need to be able to assume that those security service providers are offering the same thing to you. And so the only way you can do that is either have a partner like us to help you come in and really scrutinize those suppliers or for yourselves as the buyer, look beyond the contracts look beyond what the salesperson is telling you and ask to understand more about their operational capabilities, their scale, and how they deal with changing threat landscapes. Well, as we start to wrap up, uh, I guess, what would you say is if there was one point that you want to be sure that listeners take away from this podcast today, what is it? Wow. One point. So there, well, let's see. <laughs> the, I think the first, uh, the only point that I would say is that there is no silver bullet. There is no such thing as perfect security. There are many suppliers out there. There's a great marketing machine out there around cybersecurity because there's a lot of hype and there's a lot of selling on fear uh, that is just irrelevant to what your what a customer needs. And so if there's one thing I would leave every customer with as a buyer is you know don't believe the marketing hype cut through it you know look at your third parties as folks that can help give you guidance and advice and understand that you're going to be compromised at some point and you need to have a full program in place protection is ideal detection is a must and you need to be able to have a full suite of capabilities beyond just protecting yourself from an attack because you're going to be compromised you need to be able to understand when you get compromised and you need to be able to respond to that compromise in an effective time. So the rounding all that out to, to make it really narrow, again, there's no several bullet. You know, Don't believe that there's any vendor that's going to come in and say, if you buy our solution, everything's going to be great because it's just not the case. You need a holistic approach to cybersecurity. Fantastic stuff and, and uh, eye-opening but reassuring to know that uh, that there's providers out there that could help you navigate these very complex situations and uh, that there's there's help for companies large and small. Dominique, thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. Thanks, Shelby. And that does it for this episode of the Software and Electronics Podcast. Until next time, I'm Shelby Skirhoff. <laughs>